1: Hello and welcome to TFM's Local Watering Hole, and I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and so excited that she is here with me, the one and only Christy Morris. Hiya Whoa, 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 whoa. We do not do that in this dojo. I wasn't ready. Uh, strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Um, that is not the rules in Miyagi-Do Dojo. So, I mean, you go to your Cobra Kai... (laughs) Whatever. Um, so we're back, obviously, talking about Karate Kid this week as we're going to hit part three. Uh, and then we promise this year we are going to find some time to do the Cobra Kai series as well. So that'll be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, at least season one. I know there are more than one season. so, But uh, that'll be a fun project to, to get started on. And I'm excited to actually start watching the show. I haven't seen any of it yet. So I wanted to get through these movies uh, before you know we hit... Uh, the series, so I'm really excited to do that. But uh, before we do that, Christy, we did get a new review on Apple Podcasts, which was really cool. And this one was slightly really? embarrassing because the review just says, "Matt, you're the best, five stars." That's all there is to say uh, so really appreciate that <laughs> review, but um man, I tell you what this show definitely wouldn't be what it is without you, Christy, and of course all the other hosts throughout the years uh because otherwise it would just me be me rambling on and talk about super boring, seriously, yeah, <laughs> you sure this wasn't your mom I don't know, it might have been it's uh e n d r n e so whoever that reviewer is, thank you so much. We do appreciate the review. They definitely help the show grow. And um, so yeah, find us wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you're subscribed. You'll get this podcast as soon as it drops. I mean, we're on like Spotify, uh, and Apple Podcasts, of course, and uh, Amazon Music, and you know pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts. Uh, you can also um, you know give us a star rating review over on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read that out in the show. Again, it really does make a difference uh, with the show growing. And of course, too, you'll get uh, Snyder Cuts as well. It's in the same feed um, as uh, John and I talked through everything that uh, Zack Snyder did before we got to Justice League. And we've still got some shows coming in that as well. Plus... An idea that is going to be coming soon as we wrap that up. So uh, you'll be getting more in the feed, which is exciting. And, of course, uh, you can find us on Twitter at The602Club. Please make sure you're following us. We are still doing our following contest, so you just have to follow us on Twitter at FM to be entered Um, And the reason we're still doing it is because, um, well, actually, they had sold out of copies of the new remastered version of Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition. But uh, we'll be doing that drawing as soon as uh, they come back in stock. And uh, we'd love for you to win. So, again, just follow us at The602Club. And then, of course, you can find us on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. We've got the website at trek.fm you could find us on Facebook at facebook.com trek FM of course for the Babel's conference, which is our listeners-only discussion group, uh, which you can talk to listeners from all over the world. And then last but not least, go to trek.fm slash contact if you want to send us an email and we can talk to you that way. Uh, lastly, really importantly, though, uh, these people are so important to this network and we really appreciate our associate producers through Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Let, Daniel Noah. I want to say a huge thank you to them for making sure that the 602 Club as well as the entire network keeps coming to you each and every week. Of course, uh, you know it's a really expensive thing for us to put this network on, and without you, we honestly can't do it. Uh, and we really do, truly. We need your help. Um, go to patreon.com slash FM, and you can see how you can be part of the team. Uh, Honestly, every little bit helps. We've got some great contribution levels. Um, And again, we we really do need you. So uh, please go and uh, see how you can support uh, the network as well as the show. Uh, Again, that's patreon.com slash Trek FM. So, Christy, of course, very interesting here, uh, this movie, because like the second movie, we follow up immediately from where the second movie left off, just as the, fir- the second movie does with the first movie. So we're back from mm-hmm. Okinawa, and I was really interested, because like that movie, a lot of things have changed as you come back in. And so how do you feel about just kind of where they pick up and all the big changes that kind of happen immediately as they get home um, that are going <clears> to <throat> kind of set the movie in motion and where we're going to go with the rest of the story.
0: So I do think that it could have been set up a little better overall. It seems like just from our perspective, I think of recently watching one and two and then watching this one, that it feels more like a part of a trilogy rather than a movie that could stand on its own. Um, So I think it needs that part at the beginning to link it to the others um and that people who have seen the other two would definitely get what's going on but if you're completely new to karate kid and you go and see this one at least you get that intro Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i mean uh, and that's definitely something that like you're saying they do i thought was kind of interesting you know we Mm -hmm. we do visit the the big parts of especially the first movie uh you know and and they're reminding you because this story is going to have so much to do with the fact that you've got um you know uh, John Kreese is going to be a big part of this series again which you know in in this movie he's 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 going to come back and be a major player here um with you know his friend and so they really replay the whole End of the first movie, beginning of the second movie, you know, with that confrontation that they have. And I do, I do think you're right. You know, the setup for the movie obviously seems very, very quick. And it does feel a little bit strange to kind of come back to this after you feel like in the second movie, our characters have kind of grown maybe out of this a little bit. And maybe this is one of the places where I think maybe I have a a problem with the movie is that immediately it, it does seem like it's kind of just going to be retreading a lot of the things that we already did in the first movie with this character again. And I would say even, uh, strangely enough, the second movie really felt like Daniel kind of had progressed from the first movie and then into the second movie. Mm -hmm. This movie feels like a real regression for the character. And I think maybe that's one of my biggest problems. Even just right from the beginning here, he just feels like a character who hasn't been through all the experiences he went through in the second movie. 100%
0: I think you and I are right on the same page there because it does it seems like it's way too easy for Daniel to get caught up in Cobra Kai stuff and to kind of repeat the storyline really of the first movie where it's like that very immature high school um it's all about me and this other guy and a girl kind of situation again um And that it's also difficult because you see this change in the second movie, like you're saying, where Daniel is possibly going to go on to college where, you know, Mr. Miyagi is saying there's more that I want for you than just this as well. And now it seems, even though Mr. Miyagi teaches him, I don't want you to give up college just for me. You do have your whole life ahead of you. I'm, you know, a lot older. Um, Daniel does it anyway, and it, it seems like that's a, a lot of the things that are wrong with Daniel's character in this movie, is it's constantly him doing what he thinks is best, even though he's seen a billion times over that Mr. Miyagi knows better.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I 100% agree with you. I, I think you just nailed all of the kind of character issues, and it's just very strange um, to, to see mm-hmm. that play out. And, you know, it's... Uh, It's an interesting thing too because, you know, like the second movie and a lot of a lot of things have changed. You know, they get back, Mr. Miyagi's lost his job because the apartment complex has been sold. And so, you know, the big story point is that Daniel takes his money for college and he buys a place for Miyagi to open this bonsai tree shop. And that's an interesting idea, especially in the sense that, you know, Daniel doesn't really know what he wants to study in college. You know, he doesn't know what he wants to do mm-hmm. yet. And so he feels like this is a better, uh, you know, use of his time right now than just taking classes for no good reason without any, you know, thought process in sight of what it is that he wants to do, which honestly is not terrible. I feel mm-hmm. like it's just kind of glossed over though as like any kind of theme in that and partly because i think in some ways like you said it's it's it seems to kind of go along with this whole idea of him just you know being so impulsive still and it just doesn't really seem to fit necessarily with the character who had become at least by that second movie by the end of it seemed like a lot more thoughtful and a lot less impulsive, and somebody who had really started to take to heart a lot of Mr. Miyagi's lessons. And in this, it's like that second movie movie almost didn't even happen. And In fact, this movie feels more like a sequel to the first movie than it does to the first two movies combined.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It feels like this should be two, and two should be three.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so I, I would also say as well, um, it is a little unfortunate, I think, is that, uh, he doesn't really look like he's ready to be in this role, um, at this point, just physically. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he hasn't worked out for this role, you can tell in this movie. And it is, uh, it makes it seem a little bit, Strange because, you know, obviously in the second movie, he's he's, you know, still looks like a karate student and everything. In this movie, he does not, you know, he does not look like somebody who's been mm-hmm. working out every day with karate that just got back from the same adventure we saw in the second movie. He really doesn't. And um, I think that's a little bit strange as well. It just is kind of off putting for the whole film.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'll add to that, too, because it, this is a thing we've seen, especially lately, that It's part of your job when you're, you know, signed up to do a role like this, that you are expected to prepare ahead of time to be in the right kind of shape you need to be, whether it is smaller or bigger or whatever. Um, You know, I mean, take Dallas Buyers Club, for example, Matthew McConaughey had to prepare for that. And I mean, that was basically starving himself. He didn't have to, per se, but, you know they told him what they were looking for and he knew what he was looking for. So I definitely think that you do notice that he, you know, Ralph Macchio didn't prepare for the role the way that he did the previous two movies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and so this is really an interesting thing. So I, the, the villain in this story is familiar and yet really we spend most of the time with his friend. So John mm has lost everything after that unfortunate incident, especially at the end of the tournament. You know, he's lost all his students because they're gone. You know, uh, nobody trusts him anymore to teach karate to their kid, apparently, which is good. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. all of his students have left. And so what is really interesting then is that he goes to his friend, Terry Silver, who is somebody who knew in Vietnam? He had saved his life a few times uh, in Vietnam. He's wealthy. Um, he's a terrible guy. He's a part of the toxic waste disposal business, and he's apparently not doing it right in any way, shape, or form. Um, and constantly um, tried to just working on making an easy buck wherever he is. Um, mm-hmm. And they vow to get revenge on Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. And what followed was what I like to call the Ponytailed Palpatine plan because <laughs> he literally does the same things that we see you know, Palpatine do, which is basically build into Daniel that you're not getting what you need from Mr. Miyagi. And they're trying to tear them apart while at the same time tear down their lives without Mm -hmm. especially Daniel knowing it. And like you said earlier, Daniel just gets all caught up in this. And part of that is because of his impulsiveness and everything. So, I mean, how did you feel about this as well? Like introducing this whole new character and then making him kind of the really the main villain for the story. Um and, you know, how he kind of works with especially, you know, Daniel and trying to tear his life apart.
0: I think that that part was a little weak for me. And I think part of it is because, of course, if you've heard or read anything about the making of this movie, you know, um, Martin Cove was busy doing other work. And so a big part of why Creese doesn't appear a lot in this movie is because he had too many conflicts. Um But it does feel too sinister overall and not a movie like the other two that had so much hope and positivity about like the underdog coming out on top. Um, This one has everything really focusing on crease trying to come out on top. And it tinges the entire thing, I think, with this dark tone that makes it just feel
1: different in a bad way. That's really interesting because I think for me, my critique of it is the idea that it doesn't feel serious enough. Like, it mm. it almost always feels like they're winking at the camera because they truly are mustache twirling villains in the sense that, you know, yeah. they're literally laughing at things when they shouldn't be laughing. Like, this is supposed to be like, they're they're supposed to be they're trying to tear these people down. Like, yeah, you're right. It is really dark. I mean, these people are literally out to destroy these people's lives, to make them kind of a living hell. And it just comes across so cheesy. And I think that's kind of the problem is there's this darkness to it, but there's also this ultimate cheese factor to it that doesn't allow you to actually really believe in these characters whatsoever. They never feel real, you know? They always just feel like one-dimensional villains. And so... And in 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 the sense that like you know, again, following up it this is even you know, we're supposed to be following up the first movie. And in many ways, this doesn't even feel like that follows that up well because it felt like to me, you know, obviously Johnny had learned his lesson, it it felt like. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I I felt like in at the beginning of the second movie, it felt like Kree's kind of learned his lesson. You know, like this he he had messed with the wrong person and um, he wasn't the better for it and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know it just nothing about this really seems to especially these villains none of it makes a lot of sense and none of it really works for me um It just feels like it can't figure out what tone it wants to have. Like yeah. either be all evil and the, and take it really seriously or be just super cheese ball. But there you can't have both ways. It just doesn't work here.
0: And I will add the parts that felt more dark to me were more like with the other characters, especially the ravine where the two guys are going to let go of the ropes and possibly kill them. Um. Uh, like, that felt way too far for me across the line. Um, but, it, yeah, with with this guy, Terry Silver, it feels like every time he does something that he then is shown looking at the camera or looking off in the distance and smiling. Like you said, like the mustache twirling mm-hmm. villain. And it's like, really? What are we watching? Emperor's New Groove yeah. and this is Yzma going, <laughs> yes, it's all coming together. Exactly, You know?
1: No, it is goofy. That's, that's so true. Um, well, and like you said, there there is that section, like you with with the you know the kids trying to get him to sign uh, the paper. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. watching. I was watching it with my wife, and she's like, "This doesn't make any sense. Like, him signing the paper doesn't mean anything." He doesn't have to compete, doesn't have to show up, just sign the paper and don't show up to the, you know, the tournament, right? Right. It's not a legal contract. No, exactly. <laughs> like, it doesn't, the, the motivation there is so lame, like, um, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that, you know, Daniel can't see that whatsoever, which is just sign the paper and then don't show up to the tournament, like... Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, uh, you, you're you not this this whole thing um just feels lame, you know, like it doesn't feel like it has the weight, you know. Um, And then even the moment mm-hmm. where then, you know, Mr. Miyagi says he's going to train Daniel because of these guys and everything. It doesn't feel as earned as especially the first two movies, you know, because none yeah. of this just feels has the right weight to it
0: i agree and and i think too you don't really get enough even of um the villain and daniel having a confrontation really it's just you know the villain and daniel are thrown together um so that when they have their final fight it doesn't feel like there's as much weight to that as when he fought johnny previously yeah Yeah, johnny or or even in the second movie you know, yeah, I kind of wanted Johnny back.
1: Yeah, I mean, all in all, I think the this is this is the the main thing, that, and this is one of the the things that I kind of realize about the movie as I'm watching it here, uh, and we're talking about the villains. Is you know, we really are. This is just a lesser version of what we've had before, and that's the problem of having the first two movies I think done I would say really well is that mm-hmm. this this one we're we're just we're not we're not finding a good way to follow up you know I, I guess I think when the last time that you were on Christy we talked about and my recommendation was Rocky 3 and mm-hmm. Rocky 3 had done a great job of following up the first two movies in a way that really made sense this one's mm-hmm. just not doing that so far um and Now, yeah. on the other side, I did think that there were some really interesting themes in the movie. And one of them that's really prominent in the film was the idea of where, you're, you're, where you are rooted. And the movie is very much about what you're rooted in, what values are you going to be rooted in. Are you going to take the quick and the easy path? Or are you going to take the one of patience? Uh, and really much of this movie is about the difference between the life of the one of impulse and the one of patience. And um, I really uh, I liked that a lot. I thought it was really good. And I I do wish again the movie had take taken itself just slightly more seriously with the villains, so that you really could have had this juxtaposition um, shine. Because the struggle that Daniel ends up in, I think, is a is a good one in the sense of acting so impulsively as he does. And having to learn that that impulsiveness of his just to find the quick solution and the easy answer is something that, you know, Mr. Miyagi has tried to kind of help him overcome throughout these films. And by making the villain so cheesy, you kind of ruin the juxtaposition, right? Because you never take seriously that Daniel's not going to find his way back. Because the the guy he's learning from is is not serious enough to take seriously <laughs> as like a, <laughs> a as a uh, you know a thematic values based person that daniel can actually really take seriously then in the end as a character to have a real dilemma of which way of life to follow right and that, that's disappointing because it's, it really is such a good theme because it's so true.
0: Right. Well, and they play into it so well by adding in the element that's so natural with the bonsai trees and Mr. Miyagi having planted just that one that is a real one. Um, and noting the difference even in, you know, the metaphor of the different trees that Mr. Miyagi saying, yes, we can still use these in our shop, but it's never going to be the same as this one that's true, you know, it's a true bonsai tree. And I think that is exactly what you're saying, that it has to be what's really the truth, you know, and and the path of patience and examining the situation at the opposite of impulse. Um, And that's even what causes Daniel to get in more of a mess, is being impulsive about going to get the bonsai tree. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then almost destroying it. So... Um, You know, I I do think that that was a really great theme to have as a center. But yes, I agree that it should have been some other elements to make it feel that there's even enough character motivation outside of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it it also doesn't feel like there's enough reason for Terry Silver to be involved, or for the guy he's fighting to be involved other than money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because, you know, if it again, this is where like if it had been against John Crees and, and I guess, you know, even Johnny, maybe like Johnny wanting revenge. Right. Mm-hmm. That would make it totally different, you know, because it's so much more personal because these guys are just proxies, you know, for Crees. It doesn't really give you that gritty feeling you need it doesn't make you feel invested Mm -hmm. in them as as villains and so and and then too i mean the there is a real beauty in the sense that you know it is so true like where we're rooted um it makes a difference you know we if if we have if we are rooted in things that are um, you know again, it's kind of a Star Wars thing, like the quick and the easy path you know, and instead of one of patience instead of one of virtue instead of one of you know um putting others before yourself, you know i'm I mean, you have all mm-hmm. of the right elements here with these characters, and again, I think the the biggest problem is that the movie doesn't take itself seriously enough to allow the juxtaposition to really work between the two sides. Um, Because I I think it really is important um, to be reminded of, yeah, you know, where you are in life and what you put your hope in, what your values are. um, They can even be really shallow and they can get, you know, ripped up really easily and destroyed. And I think, you know, obviously the first movie really shows that with the difference between Johnny and Daniel and who they're learning from. Again, they're trying to do that mm-hmm. same theme here. It just doesn't play off as well. And it's disappointing. Um, and it is kind of sad that we're kind of playing the same theme that we've already seen before as well, except they already did it and they did it well. And the first movie right and here, it's just it, it it seems like a pale imitation, you know?
0: And I will add the other piece of that that did, I think go well was not the piece of him being taught by silver, but rather the lying and hiding from Mr. Miyagi. Yeah.
1: yeah, I agree so that
0: it goes along with that too, of, you know, you know, what you're doing is, is mm-hmm. wrong and wasn't what he taught you and yeah. what you're rooted in.
1: I, that part, I absolutely agree. Um, well, and, and, you know, Daniel also comes to this this whole section, you know, like kind of facing his fear. And in the end, we see him really being afraid that he's not strong enough for this fight, you know, that that what he he's learned is not enough. And, you know, I think in many ways, this is Daniel learning that you can't do things alone and the company you choose makes a big difference in the outcome of your life. And especially the choices you make. And regardless of whether you win or lose, you know, um, it's more important about how... You, it is more important in the end how you play the game. Which here, mm-hmm. you know, the game of life. The way that you treat people. The way that you live that life. Um, you know, the the again, the values you live by. Which, are you going to live by the values that it's just all about me? Or are you going to live by the values that... Um, no, it, it's not just all about you, you know, and all of those things making a difference. And so, uh, I, I, I liked that. And like him coming to face his fear in the end and, and, and also kind of bringing home that whole idea of like, you know, Mr. Miyagi, he says karate is for defense, you know, and mm-hmm. him using the, um, the thing that he was told wouldn't help him at all in this fight is actually what helps him win the fight, which is again, slowing down, being patient, waiting for the right exact moment to strike, you know, uh, all of that comes mm-hmm. into play. So that, I mean, that's not a bad theme in this movie. Again, it's just, it, I wish that they had spent more time kind of building both of these things, um, in, in ways that really come across and really land then, with the audience
0: yes for sure and you know i i'm also with you that it's also a strategy just like Miyagi teaches him that it's for defense to dodge to avoid rather than always having to have a a punch or something back um and so i'm glad that they really work that into that fight of daniel just dodging back and forth even though it has to be really fast um and him showing those scenes, especially like you mentioned, where I think they called it kata, mm-hmm. where he, you know, it's the slow, deliberate movements, um, and measuring your moves rather than the impulsiveness.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Um. So I have a question for you about what you thought of the romance, and I put that in quotes because <laughs> apparently they realize that, uh, you know, this time they don't even try to really give him a romance because they keep taking away his girlfriends anyway. Um, I Yeah, you know why, right? No.
0: So the actress was a minor. Oh, I did not read apparently that. Apparently okay? they... Yep, apparently they had already cast her, and so I guess they couldn't go back. And uh, she was 16, and Ralph Macchio was 27. Oh, <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, we can't have them have a thing in this. So they make them best buddies, why and would, she kisses them on the cheek. Why
1: wouldn't you <laughs> cast somebody then who, like, that doesn't make any sense? I don't know. Like, why?
0: Uh, yeah. I Okay. Yeah, it just says that they cast her and that was their why they decided to play it this way. But it's definitely felt because in the previous two movies, he definitely has a girlfriend and they definitely kiss on the mouth. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) now for him to suddenly, you know, be asked out and then told, well, I have a boyfriend, so we're just hanging out as friends. Then you wouldn't go out at that point. (laughs)
1: I don't understand. Like, I really don't. I, I, the, the whole thing just doesn't work. It's, it's yes. so bad. Um, and it's really bad reflection for, I, again, this is a place where it, it, it truly is a bad reflection for the character. You know, like he mm-hmm. keeps having these girls basically dump him. And it's like, this is a terrible storyline for this poor character. Like you are hurting the vitality of your character by not allowing him to have a relationship that ever works out look i get that early life is full of relationships many times that don't work out but Mm -hmm. same time you're in your third movie don't you think that maybe you should who knows if you'll ever do anything again don't you think that it's time for you to maybe give this character some uh, hope in that area, right? Uh, Yeah. It just, it's so disappointing. And it's so frustratingly stupid.
0: And I even thought at this point too, with the last fight, I was like, you know, this is the third movie. I feel like Daniel keeps getting beat up on and dumped and it's just constantly, you know, letting you know that he's the underdog. And I feel like maybe you don't have to, beat him over the head so
1: much <laughs> I I couldn't have said it better myself like that is 100% it there's absolutely yeah. no reason for this character to have to keep experiencing these same things this way over and over again and again you're not mm-hmm. doing your character any favors by having yeah. it be the third movie and he's legitimately doing the same thing he was doing in the first movie um yeah. but this time he doesn't and even have a girlfriend it's just some weird girl that you know already has a boyfriend mm-hmm.
0: but she's spending all her time with him right. until she leaves yes just cuz she needs uh, friends i also wanted yeah i also wanted to ask you um i did you notice the couple of times that they had some really disturbingly sexist language was it just me because I'm a woman or no I, I mean, mean I because like,
1: I didn't necessarily catch that I mean I did obviously catch the guys treating her like dirt you know obviously when they came in um, yeah you know and but like kicking her in the stomach I mean, yeah yeah
0: was too far to me and then also later um, when they're you know threatening to throw them off the cliff they threaten her first. And then also they say what I'm gonna do to her, Mm -hmm. which came across rapey.
1: Oh yeah, I mean definitely, I was just like definitely got all of that. And I, I mean, I think that's the you were kind of talking about earlier. Like the movie is so goofy and kind of ridiculous that it needs it needs you to have chosen a a way that you're going to go with the storyline um and so you're either you either need to be taking it seriously you need to be taking it seriously or mm-hmm. um it needs to be a more lighthearted film and so those right. the, again those moments don't interact like i had i don't necessarily have a problem in a movie with them being like that because obviously it's shown in a bad light they're terrible people and everything but Mm -hmm. it just there's this real inconsistency with the tone of the film and so it just i i it doesn't work and i i mean hey um you know if it doesn't work for you too just because um I don't – does that – would the tone have – let me ask you a question then because since, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a woman, but would it have worked for you if the tone was more consistent then one way or the other? Like if if it had been kind of like a mean-spirited on their side the whole time, would that have made it feel better or did you you still felt like that was still too far?
0: I just felt like those two things were just too far, period. Okay. Because – even in the second one, when they have the bully, slap the girl, it felt a little too far to me. I I think that I've just, I don't know, maybe it's just my bias of being taught that men shouldn't hit women, because women usually, on average, are not going to be able to hit back as hard. That's, you know, discounting bodybuilder women, but, you know, I wouldn't be able to hit back as hard as you would, for example. Right. So it just feels like an unfair, mean-spirited thing to do, especially just for the guy to kick her in the stomach. hmm Yeah, um, I agree. I guess this is my biggest issue. But I do think the tone also could have been more consistent.
1: Yeah. No, I can totally understand what you're saying. Uh, and, you know, um, you know, I think it does kind of feel like this just isn't that type of movie, right? right so
0: it's supposed to be i usually thought of the first movie as a family friendly movie this one i would not call that
1: (laughs) yeah i know i I think i i agree with you in the sense that again it just doesn't know what it wants to be at all Mm -hmm. uh and you're you're right in that sense so um well uh you know one of the things that has made I think these movies really good As you know we have always really liked the music the pop music they're using of course you know uh Conti's music here is great but I'm wondering for you what did you think about uh the the pop songs that they use in this movie because I know the, the the previous films you really enjoyed that
0: I think that the orchestral choices for like the score were nice because it was very reminiscent of the his previous work but the pop was really bad here like it was stuff i didn't even recognize it sounded really cheesy um you know i mean i i don't want to offend people but i'm not a huge fan of like air supply and that's kind of what it reminded me of (laughs)
1: I hundred percent agree with you. It just did not work for me in any way, shape or form. Uh it did not yeah. it did not feel like the previous films where you really had, you know, um I think somebody good do the music. So it did kind mm-hmm. of feel like the lame versions of what we'd already heard before, but this is not music that you've ever heard before. So I yeah, it was was not good.
0: It's like off-label music. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, if you go and you get the um, chocolate chip nips from Walmart versus Chips Ahoy.
1: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You know? Yep. You're right. 100%. It's the B-movie of music. Well, so, I guess we just kind of come down to, you know, what you're going to rate then the Karate Kid 3. So I I will say
0: in general I've grown up with karate kid and it's always been a thing that my dad and I share and joke about and he likes feeling like he's Mr. Miyagi in real life even though he's not. Um but this one it just really was a letdown compared to the other two and especially just the overall encouragement and positivity i feel like you usually end up with at the end and i think that you know the final fight ending wasn't bad but overall it just kind of leaves you wanting more um so i need to give this a two out of five bonsai trees because there's a little bit there that's okay uh but there's a lot that i just wish could have been done differently so I wish that there hadn't been quite so much violence against women. I wish that the tone had been more consistent and uh, that we had had a more, a villain with more motivation. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, um, it's interesting because I think uh, I'm pretty much where you are for the most part. Um, I'm at a two and a half out of five. There's some good themes here. Uh, but this just isn't a very good movie, you know, um, and it definitely leaves, I think the, uh, f- the final film for Daniel in a really bad place. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, which is disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you would love to have seen this be, um, better. It's just not, It, it and it, it is sad that it's not, it's sad that it's not a very good movie, um, and unfortunately, you know, it's going to take till Cobra Kai for Daniel to return and hopefully a better way. So now going to be very mm-hmm. interested to see if that's the case. Um, when we get there. So yeah, just it is, uh, it is disappointing. Like I'd say, you know, visit the first two movies anytime, you know, but or maybe next Karate Kid, the next Karate With Kid, Hillary Swank.
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: I don't know. Uh, I remember <laughs> yeah. that movie not being good too, so um, but I would say, yeah, you know, the first two I'd visit they make a great duology. Um, mm-hmm. this is it, was it, is honestly one that I think I could say you never need to see this, and maybe that's why I didn't for a long yeah. time, probably. But, yeah, it was a good call. So, well, I'm I'm really interested, uh, Christy, to see what your recommendation this week is going to be.
0: I have a really especially good one this time, I think. Uh, this weekend, just on a whim, I decided to watch the documentary on Netflix called Audrey, about Audrey Hepburn. Nice. And I was a little biased going into it, got to admit, because I've adored her ever since I first found out about her as a kid and have several of her movies. But I think that it's really great because they also interview her children. Um, and there are a lot of things that you may not know about her and her life and her struggles that then make you so much more admiring of the good hearted person. She stayed anyway. Um, that you'll find out when you watch this. So I highly recommend watching Audrey on
1: Netflix. That's awesome. I'm going to check that out because I've always really loved Audrey Hepburn. So man, that that's a great yeah. one. Um, I am going to recommend everybody something really interesting. Uh, so I just got an opportunity this last weekend to visit Orlando, go see good friend, John Mills. Everybody knows um, here, of course on the six or two club, but we went to the wizarding world of Harry Potter and I'm going to highly recommend if you're a Harry Potter fan, even if you're not, it's still an incredible experience. Had such a great time at Universal. Uh, it was a great, I mean, I just, as a fan specifically, I can't tell you how good it was. It's hard to overstate how much fun it was. Uh, it, it felt so real. Um, as a fan. It felt like you were there. It's as close as you're ever going to get to feeling like you're in, you know, anything Harry Potter related. Uh, and it, it it was a joy, like it just had a blast. So if you have the opportunity, I highly encourage and recommend that you check out the Wizarding World of Harry Potter because it was just a blast. Uh, and then uh, the rest of Universal was really fun too. Had a great time, uh, checking out some of the other experiences and rides there as well. And, and honestly, there was still more I could have checked out. So, uh, yeah, definitely going to recommend that to everybody. So, uh, Christy, though, if anybody wants to, uh, catch up and, uh, find out what you've got going on, uh, outside of the 602 club, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me
0: on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then of course, sometimes in the Babel Conference. And I do another show when I'm not here with Matt called Sabres and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland network. And we just recently covered WandaVision as a whole, uh, and did some fun cosplay bounding, um, to look like different versions I saw of Wanda. That. So thank you (laughs) Uh, so that was fun i did 50s wanda amanda did scarlet witch wanda um but next we are going to cover the first three episodes of falcon and winter soldier and do dive more into our marvel fandom so i hope you guys will check us out at sabers and spells on instagram and twitter also
1: awesome that is awesome um well, you could find me, of course, here, uh, on the network, not only doing the 602 club, but of course, Snyder cuts with John Mills. We still got a few shows left. We're going to be doing there. Uh, we're going to be covering, we're going to go look back at, uh, Joss Whedon's version so we can kind of compare and contrast, which should be fascinating. Uh, we're going to be looking at the movement as well as we, uh, uh bo- both going to be reading release the Snyder cut by Sean O'Connell, kind of talking about how this all came to be. Uh, and then lastly, uh, we'll also have his uh, Army of the Dead that's coming out on Netflix in a, in a month. Um, so that'll be fun uh, as we look towards that. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, we'll have an announcement for you uh, as to what's coming up next, so that, look for that. You could also find me doing Lyrotrex in the Orb as we're talking about... Uh, books and comics of star trek over there on literary treks and then of course the orb chris jones and i are talking about star trek deep space nine over on the nerd party network you could find me wrapping up owl post with drea kaufman as we talk about harry potter each and every week we legitimately only have four episodes left of that show as we're just about to finish out the series so so excited and then of course doing aggressive negotiations with john mills as we talk about star wars each and every week But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear.